Hey y'all, welcome to Life Coach BFF Show. Do you want to confidently parent your teen while remaining sane and still finding joy in your everyday? Do concerns of their safety, mental health, influences of social media and the ACT, as well as the act, frighten and keep you awake at night? Following a move, finding myself lonely, isolated, and drowning in the realities of parenting teenagers, I felt completely lost and depleted. After a year of sitting in loneliness, I knew it had to stop. I transformed my mindset to something I call living on green, and I'm going to teach it to you. In this podcast, we're giving all things to God, find beauty in the brokenness, triumphs through the trials of parenting teens, all the while finding joy in establishing balance. I'm your new BFF, Heather, and you're not lonely anymore. We're in this together. Get your axe spray out, pick up those dirty gym socks, put your lip gloss on, and let's do this. Well, hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to the show. I have a treat for you today, a friend and also a team member for our upcoming Club BFF membership is joining us today. Her name is Megan Dwyer. She is a working mom with two little boys, a wife, runner, and forever learner. As a financial planner, she has seen way too often women taking a back seat when it comes to their family's finances. That resonates with me. I don't know about you. Megan believes it is crucial to have the knowledge and understanding of personal finances in order to feel confident and empowered to live our best lives. Megan started the Money Isn't Scary podcast last year to help women unpack the deeply embedded stories we have been telling ourselves and reframe our mindset so that we can begin to spend save, and act in alignment with our intentions. She believes that it is only when we are truly in tune with our relationship with money that we can begin to be our best selves. I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Grab something to drink, sit back. You might want to grab a notepad and a pen. There are going to be some facts in here that you will want to remember And we're going to go ahead now and dive right into the conversation. Hi, Megan. How is life in Boston this morning? Hi, Heather. It is good. We're uh, we're finally having some spring weather here. We had um, a sunny and 70 degree day yesterday. It's not going to stay that way, though. And this weekend and just in time for Mother's Day, this weekend is going to get uh, get chilly again. Highs in the 50s. So Uh, it's 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 all this is springtime in the northeast <laughs> so that's the normal high for the northeast I mean, 50. I mean it shouldn't be but it is these days yeah and then the the spring it's like we'll get nice weather and then it gets cold again and we'll get one a tease of one one or two days where it's nice and then it gets cold again and then it gets to be 85 degrees and humid <laughs> and that's <laughs> happens for the next couple of months. (laughs) Welcome to my world. The humidity is something that we can definitely relate to in Tennessee. Okay, Megan, I want you to tell us all about yourself. Yeah. So, so first and foremost, I am mom to two young boys, Colin and Ryan. They are six and almost four. Um, I am a certified financial planner. That's my day job. 
And I work with clients to really have uh, clients of all different um, ages and, and profiles to help them sort out what's going on with any, anything money related, really. Um, and lastly, I'll say that I am a podcaster and I started a podcast about a little over a year ago. It's called Money Isn't Scary. And I started it for a number of different reasons, but um, it, it's really kind of a passion project for me. I've always wanted to, if I could go back and do life all over again, I always say I would be, I would study psychology and I would be a therapist. And this is really my way of kind of marrying those two, um, the, 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 like my, my regular job and that, that really deep down passion that I have for behavioral and understanding people. I'm just so fascinated by the ways that people think and just what makes them tick. And so um, the, the podcast, it was motivated and inspired by some of the, the work that I was doing in, in my day job, right? So I would see all the time clients um, that it would come to us and we could tell them over and over and over again, show them the, the financial projections and, and run the numbers and show them over and over again that they were going to be okay but they didn't believe it deep down. And so now is when I realized like, this is, this is, it's about more than just the money here. And so what actually is it? What's making this person not believe that they're going to be okay. And it's likely, you know, in that situation, probably coming from a, a background or a mindset of scarcity, because that's how they grew up. But let's dig a little bit more into that and figure out why, and is this real? And, um, and is it even necessary? Right. And then there's the other aspect, and I have I have a massive um, passion for helping and empowering women. And um, I saw a lot in uh, when you would have a couple come to you, you know, in the financial services world, you would have a couple, and a lot of times the um, the woman in a relationship, you know, in a in a your stereotypical heterosexual relationship, you would see that the, the woman kind of just oftentimes takes a back seat. And the, the man in the relationship is the one that's, that's handling more of the conversations around the finances and more of the tactical and the number stuff. And sometimes she might be there. Sometimes she might ask some questions, but um, doesn't really have a whole lot to add to the conversation. And that always kind of frustrated me. And I, I really wanted to dig in a little bit more specifically with the issues that women are dealing with around money and help them to stop kind of feeling small and help them start to feel more empowered and confident in a meeting like that, because you never know what's going to happen in life. And you want to make sure that you have a knowledge and understanding of, of where your finances are. I hate to say it, but money is a part of our life. It's never going to not be. So we can't avoid it and we can't just sweep it under the rug. It's something that we have to uh, address. And so the whole point of my podcast is really to to share my stories, my vulnerabilities, and in hopes that, because I think what's personal is universal, in hopes that other people will feel the same way and, and say, hey, I see a little bit of myself in that. And um, let's dig into why in, in, in the process of healing our relationship with money. Megan, there's so many things that you just said that described me to a T. I hate to say that. But describe, I mean, I need to go to a money isn't scary boot camp because I am that woman. I go into the meetings. I'm not really clear or confident about what's going on in the meeting. 
And I, yes, if you ever open up a boot camp, I'm the first one to sign up. <laughs> sign me awesome. up, Megan. Yes, sign me Perfect. up. Okay, <laughs> why do you think women are often intimidated by money? I think there's a number of reasons. Um, first of all, it is um, how we were brought up in the culture that we were brought up in, right? So those are two different things. But if you think about it, women weren't allowed until the late 1970s to have bank accounts in their own name. Women weren't allowed to, to own property in their own name or to have a mortgage on their own in their, on their own until, I, I think it was 1978. I'll have to go back and confirm my dates here. But it was late 70s, which is very much a part of our lives, right? And so I think that there's that aspect that just in general, we were not allowed to. So I think women just don't have this natural inclination or tendency to move towards it because we were pushed away from it for so long, or we just weren't even allowed to, to, to be a part of it. So I think there's that, there's just the historical aspect of it. And it's also what we've learned. We've learned, you know, our, that was our parent, maybe our parents' generation, maybe our generation, but if they're saying, if, if they're all the way that they run their lives, if they've always defaulted to having the husband or the dad or somebody else in their lives handle it, then of course they're going to, it's going to be harder for them to pass on to their children, this idea that, oh yeah, you should feel empowered around your finances. So it's, it's, it's just something that I think it, it's those generational patterns that we've inherited over time. And then there's also culture, right? Culture has so much to say in all of this. Culture tells us that as women, we should be and act in a, a certain way. Um, we should stay small, right? We should be good little girls. We should do the things that we're, that, that we're supposed to do. We should have certain career paths, right? I mean, women tend to naturally move towards that nurturing side, um, nurses and, and teachers and things like that. And you see a lot of male dominated. My field is male dominated. And I've, uh, that's also a part of this. I struggle with that sometimes. And so I, I think that there needs to be more women in that field in order to, to be able to, I think just in general, kind of heal the societal um, fear, I think that we have around money. So there's a lot of deeply embedded stuff, but it's not our faults. It's, but it's what I think is important to, to recognize here is that, it, that this exists, that we do have this kind of, in general, and of course I'm not speaking for everybody, but in general, there's, there's a little bit of a, um, I guess, apprehension around it and maybe, you know, oh, I don't, avoidance in some way. And I want to, I want, I'm on this mission to see that change. I want women to embrace it and to talk about money because it's a taboo concept and I don't want to make it taboo anymore. I love that. I love that idea because I will tell you, Megan, when my husband, sometimes when he'll start talking about finances or stock options, I completely glaze over. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, I just, off. yeah I just <laughs> glaze over. And I mean, I want to know the important things to me are the retirement accounts mm -hmm. and the college funds. Those are the two most important funds for me that I think about often, but there's so much more to it that we, I need to be educated on. Yeah. I, I always say 
women need to know the basics, right? You need to know the full financial picture. You need to just have an understanding of kind of net worth. So what, what assets do you have? Because you have other things likely be Yeah, so you need to have an understanding of what just what other assets you have out there besides just the retirement and the college accounts. So, um, you know, you probably have cash accounts. You probably have, you could have a savings bonds out there. You could have, you know, you have, if you own a home, that's an asset. Uh, you also have to see the liability side and the liabilities are mortgages, other, other outstanding debt loans, those, that kind of thing. I think once you just have a general understanding of what you have, that's a really great place to start. You can't just sort of look at it in silos in a bubble. You have to look at the whole, the whole picture. And then the other thing I'll say that's important for women to know is, um, is just a cash flow side, right? So what's coming in, um, not just gross, because a lot of times we think of, of salary as a gross salary, but you want to know net after taxes, what's actually hitting your pocket and after you know, potential for, um, retirement savings or other deductions that you have from your paycheck. And what are your expenses? And the expense side is, is harder because there's a, a lot of emotional, psychological um, uh, energy, I think, behind that. So people may not want to actually be aware of what it is that they're spending. And that's a whole other topic that we can go into <laughs> on another day. Um, but I think it's important just to have an understanding of what's coming in and what's going out, just the basic knowledge for women. Because it doesn't have to be, and when I say, financial education. You don't have to go be a financial planner. You don't have to go back to school. You don't, I mean, it might be great to read some books if you're interested, but you don't even have to go. I, I think that deep, just having a general knowledge of what you have is, is, is going to be the most empowering place to start. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you mentioned about the beliefs about money that are passed on from our parents that we've inherited mm -hmm. from family members. Yeah. So how do we avoid passing on our money struggles, stress to our kids? Yeah. So, and I, and I love this. It's relevant to your audience because teenagers are at a stage where they are starting to be aware of money and they're starting to, to talk to their friends about money. They're, they're going to the mall. They're, they're, they're shopping. They're consumers at this point. They're well aware. Right. And so, um, I think there's a lot of things, um, that can be done. I think the very first step is to have the awareness first of what are your money issues that are coming up. So that, that goes back to those money stories that we just talked about. You have to be aware of what those money stories are that, that, that you have. So for me, you know, I always, I always heard money doesn't grow on trees. Um, <laughs> my yes. mom, and I, I love my mom dearly. And I do have to say that I want to change a little bit of the way that, that I raise my kids, the things that I pass on to them from what I, she passed on to me. I got a lot of, um, must be nice. Right. Um, whenever, you know, I'm as somebody, somebody else would do, do something, go on a vacation or do this. And, um, and so I don't want my kids to believe that. I don't want them to feel that way. I want them to feel that, you know, that they can go and do whatever they want to do. And they can, they have the ability, like, the world is their oyster, right? Um, and I feel like you, it all starts with you. 
So you have to have the awareness of those stories that you're telling yourself, those beliefs that you're telling yourself deep down. What are, and, and, and also, and what goes along with that is triggers too. So if you get a bill, an unexpected bill in the mail, and all of a sudden you just like lose it, right? You're, it, it overwhelms you, it stresses you out. That's a sign, that's a cue that something's off and you have to go explore that a little bit more. So that's the place to start. And I can get into how to do that and all of that, but how to explore that and the, the um, steps that are involved in that. Um, but that's the first part. And then from there, once you're kind of aware, right? So, so I'm aware of this story that my mom passed on to me. Money doesn't grow on trees. That's a, that comes from a total scarcity, place of scarcity, right? Which is how she grew up. So it makes sense. But now the next step is to kind of question that and challenge it a little bit, right? So yeah, I know it doesn't actually grow on trees, but is there abundance out there that's available to me? Yes. And I believe that. And I believe that there's, there's money to be made out there. And, um, and I just kind of need to see it that it's there and I can do this versus saying, oh, I'm going to be stuck. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm limiting my salary. I'm limiting the amount of um, potential that I have out there in the world. And, and I think as you're going through this process yourself, sharing that with your kids, sharing the, the challenging, the questioning and the reframing is really important. I think talking to your kids about this kind of stuff and telling them that, that you're not just kind of, your, your, your potential isn't stifled. You're not just, you know, you're, if, if you're going to, you wanna do this as a career, you're, you don't need to limit what, that, what their potential could be from a financial perspective, as well as just an opportunity and life challenge, life perspective as well. So um, I think having the kids being involved in that whole process is really important. It sounds a little woo-woo, I know, um, but it doesn't <laughs> no. actually have to be that way. Yeah. I don't think it sounds woo-woo, but now this is a real situation that I have encountered with teens. And I want to know how you would respond to this. Sure. So our girls when they were teenagers, well, throughout elementary and teen years, went to summer camp in North Carolina. And there were several incidences where they would come home from camp and they would tell me, well, Elizabeth left camp and flew to join her family in Italy for the rest of the summer. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Joanne is in Spain now until... Christmas. I mean, we really had these situations that would come up and I would have to say, well, the petties will be spending the rest of the summer in Mississippi at the time we lived in Mississippi. <laughs> so how, when they don't understand, maybe not teen years, but maybe middle school years, how would you explain that to them? Yeah. I mean, I would say in that situation that you know, mom and dad work really hard for what we have and we'll get to go on a vacation too. And we'll get to do something fun too. It may not be Spain, it may not be Italy, but we'll get to do something that's just as good and focus more on the experience than on the monetary aspect of it. And 
I think focusing deep down too on the intention behind all of it is really also important because kids, I feel like they, especially like at that age, they just don't really have a concept of what, what money is and how much, you know, they don't really know how much things cost and what the reality is of all of it. I know at that age, I had no idea. Um, and I think having them kind of think about how is it, what is it about this, that your friend's trip to Italy that makes you, how does it, first of all, how does that make you feel? And what is it about that, that what, like, what are you feeling? And what is it that's making you feel a little bit off? Is it that they're having an experience, like they get to go on a, on a, on a airplane they get to spend time with their family they get to go to a different place that they've never seen before because you can do that too just in a way that's a little bit more you know cost effective and appropriate and not overwhelming and stressful for mom and dad right so um i think focusing on the intention behind it is a, a good place to start i have i have, have not i don't have teens so yeah <laughs> and so i it can only imagine when I get to that place where I'm going to be, because those are not easy conversations to have. No, no, we can all prep you for teens, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this crowd can prep you for teens. And it's really different now with social media. And you hear that all the time, yeah. that yeah. social me media has changed so many things. And it has, because when I grew up, a, a trip, a couple of trips to the beach, if you went to Florida a couple of times over the summer, you had a great summer. I know. Maybe, I know. Yes. Yes. But now these kids see all this in social media. They're so aware and so familiar with other people's travels. We just, we yeah. didn't know about these. I mean, some people did, but my family didn't. We weren't traveling to Spain for the summer. And you're, the other thing too is you, it used to be that, you know, you talk about kind of keeping up with the Joneses and comparing yourself to other people. It used to be just the people in your circle, right? So like the kids at school in your class or the kids that you saw all the time. Now it's kids that you went to summer camp with five years ago, or, you know, it's, it's your, your network is just expanding and you're also have the ability on social media, media to follow celebrities. So these kids are also watching the Kardashians and comparing themselves to them too. And so I think they're, What's hard about social media, and I'm again, I say I'm not sure how I'm going to handle this when I get there yet because it's going to be it's a challenge, of course. But there's, I think, there's certain a boundaries that need to be kind of put in place around that, and b education for the child. And education goes kind of in line with the maturity aspect, I think, and just letting, having those conversations, like candid conversations with your child around the fact that like, hey, people may not, like what you see isn't always the truth. People tend to make things look better than they, than, than life really is. And I think having them, giving them the, just the knowledge of that and reinforcing that you know, this isn't reality is so important because they're going to then at least have a baseline understanding that maybe this isn't real. like, you know, maybe everybody's not really doing everything that they say they are or what, or, or what it seems. And maybe actually I'm okay too. Maybe what I'm doing is just fine. Um, it's just such a different world now. So, so different. 
so different. Okay, what are some common money stories or beliefs that we tend to pass on since we're talking about this? What do we what do we tend to pass on to our children? Well, I just said one. So I said, um, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. I found myself saying that to my son. And I said, yeah, I even just said when my mom and dad work really hard for their money. Um, those are stories that can be, they're just things that you learned growing up and you don't know any different. Right. But I think it's helpful to dissect those a little bit. Like, does it, you know what, I'm actually about to do a podcast episode on this concept of, um, it doesn't have to be so hard. Right. Because, and that goes in line with what I just said, like we work really hard for our money and maybe it doesn't, do I want to, I'm starting to question, do I want to pass on the story to my kids that life is hard? Do I, do I, you know, and and maybe I do, maybe I don't. And, but I think it's important to have that knowledge yourself and think about, you know, maybe have the conversation with your spouse or whoever. Um, Is that something that you, that's important to you that you want your kids to know? Because they're sponges right now, and they absorb literally everything, and so they're they're going to repeat what you say, whether they understand, they fully understand it or not. And then at some point, they're gonna they're gonna live it, right? They're gonna go through. I mean, my my mom always worked; she was a nurse, and she complained about work all the time. She loved what she did, but it, eventually, as she got um, a little bit further along and older in her career. It, it, the it, working for a hospital became more like a business. And so she had some frustrations with that. And, um, and she complained about it all the time. And so the story that I heard from her was work is hard and I shouldn't, I, I should find something that I like because I have to, it's, it's a grind no matter what. Right. And so, and then here I am, right. Thinking at, at 16 years into my career and I, I find myself feeling that way. Like it has, like that it's supposed to be a grind and it is a grind and it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I really feel like I I'm starting to, again, break those generational patterns and start to think, to start, start to think a little bit differently and put more intention behind how I feel about it and how I want my kids to feel about it. Well, and the way our kids think about jobs and money is so different now because our 10 year old he sees these YouTubers who are making thousands of dollars a week at age 14 (laughs) and wonders why we don't fill our swimming pool up with purple and blue balls and dive in and record, you know, it just, it's so different now. And so I think that they do, this generation does see people having fun and enjoying their work. Yeah. More so than we did, more so than we did. It's definitely starting to shift. And I see that as well. I think there's a lot more people out there living their dreams and following through and, you know, being, being entrepreneurs and doing, doing the work that they're kind of meant to do. I also feel like the pandemic has started to, has changed that a lot. You hear the concept of the great resignation um, where people just decided that, you know, life's too short. And I don't want to be doing this anymore. And so I feel like that really has changed a lot of the way people think about and approach work. So it's does it's not this grind that we were used to anymore. You know? Right. And that's going to change the way that we plan financially because 
you have, like you said, you have all these entrepreneurs now, so you have to make your own arrangements instead of investing with the company that you work yeah. for. Yep. There's, You've, there's, there's going to be a lot. I feel like in general, the trends, there's going to be a lot more of that, a lot more of, you know, solo retirement plans versus company funded or sponsored retirement plans. Um, we're already starting to see the shift in general away from kind of the traditional pension plans to, to more, um, um, co-participatory retirement plans like 401ks where you're saving, but the company might be, might be matching a little portion of that. Um, but yeah, I think that trend is going to, is it's going to start to, to shift a lot in the coming years. I think people just are realizing that that nine to five, the commute, the grind that we were doing before just isn't how they want to live. And I think that that is, again, when we think about the kids, that that modeling is so important um, to show them that they kind of can, there's a lot of flexibility. When I was, I remember when I was graduated college, I was told, get a job at a company. They will take care of you. And I did, I've got a job at a big company and after 10 or so years, I was like, I'm done. I can't, you know, I was, it was more the corporate environment and everything, but, but it was also that things are shifting. Like they don't, people don't stay at a, at a company for 30, 40 years for their entire career anymore. People change and they bounce around and there's, I think there's just so many more options out there and that people need to do what feels right, test things out. You know, there's not, it's not like there's one set job or one set company for one person anymore. It's a different world. So if right out of college, would you suggest, let's say your, your child, cause I have, I have one of our children, she will graduate from college next May. So she's already talking about jobs. Would you suggest if she goes to work for a company that she start a solo retirement fund or go all in with the company's retirement fund? What, oh. What's your thought? So I think she should definitely take advantage of any employer-sponsored plans because there is, there is tax benefits to that. There is, um, there is um, matching, potential matching benefits to that as well. But I think a young kid who's working set up a Roth IRA like 100%. And I mean, of course, this is not financial. <laughs> I don't mean like everybody should do this. There's income limitations and there's... there's um, other qualifications to be able to set one up. So, but I think that um, it, it makes a lot of sense to have a separate savings bucket um, on their own. That's also not just focused on the, on the employer because anything can happen with an employer, especially, you know, these days there's so many startups and young companies and things like that. So you want to be able to have your own savings as well. Just to, it's all, that's all kind of like spreading it out, diversifying and you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Right. I agree. Okay. So how do we teach our kids to be responsible with money? I think the number one thing is role modeling and showing your kids that, um, you know, that you are responsible with money, first of all, right? So what does responsible mean? That's a very loaded question. Isn't <laughs> it? Um, and the kids, obviously, you know, to your comfort level, they don't need to know every single little transaction and ins and outs that you're that that you have in the household. But I think it's important to have them involved in some of the conversations. Um, you know, and when you, you know, if you're at the grocery store with your teenager, and um, 
you know, and and something comes up and they're like, oh, can we get, I don't know, these something extra or these, these extra cookies or something this week or whatever it is. You know, I think it's just important to say, to explain to them like, yeah, okay, well this costs this much. And this is part of our grocery budget for the week. And, um, and, and just letting them know that this is, there's, it's bigger than this. Like it's, it goes like, let's kind of step back from the cookies and go like 10,000 foot level and see and show them how it kind of fits into the bigger picture. Um, and, you know, also the whole spending with intention thing, um, I think is really, really important. And you can, again, going back to that example of you know, going to going on vacation, right? You don't have to go to France or Spain or Italy, but um, showing your kids that, first of all, what your values are, are, you know, your values are spending time with family or your values um, you know, putting, putting your, uh, putting money toward money, effort, any resources really towards a hobby that you like, um, or passion that you like, what, dep- whatever that is. And it's, it's on, that's a very personal exercise to figure out your own values, your own passions, your own priorities, and have your money go in line with that. Um, and so I think, just kind of keeping the kids involved in those kind of conversations. And maybe it's, you know, having a family goal, like you have a little, um, you know, I'm just making this up right now, but you have a jar in the kitchen where if you have some spare change or something like that, it's the vacation fund, right? And everybody kind of puts a few dollars towards it. My my oldest son has a little piggy bank and um, he will do some chores or we have a listening chart. So if he, if he listen if he does a really good job with listening every, every week, then we'll give him, you know, a couple of dollars or something. And that goes into his piggy bank. And he uses that because he wants to buy this Lego set. He wants this Lego set. That's like $80. <laughs> and so um, it's crazy, but I told him <laughs> that if he can save half of it, then mom and dad will help toward the other half of it. So he he's focused that he doesn't want any other toy. He doesn't want to go spend just, he doesn't want to go to a toy store and spend anything. He is focused on that Lego set. And so are we. And so I think showing them that what goals are and just general intention behind how you want to live and how you want to feel and how they want to feel is really important. Yeah. I love to watch money grow, whether it's change or dollar bills somewhere where everyone can see it. And years ago, Megan, this is so funny. I had read in a magazine where this one lady never spent a $5 bill, which of course this was pre pandemic. So we were using cash a lot more than we are now, but I saved every $5 bill and my friends would come over and even my husband would kind of laugh and giggle about all these $5 bills that were piling up in one of those tall Coke bottle banks. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Those plastic (laughs) banks. And so, I mean, they would tease me all the time, but I mean, it grew, grew, grew. And finally a friend came over and she goes, when you count that, I want to be here. I want to see this. But it was so exciting when we counted the money. I mean, there was just a lot of excitement around it. And we were surprised at how much we had said I had saved during the year. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I think that's for you to see it, but then for the kids to see it too, to see that there's a common goal that you're all striving towards. 
and see how close you get. I mean, I, it makes it fun. And I think the whole point of it is, again, it's going, you know, the, it's, it's making sure that the kids, you don't want them to be afraid of money. You don't want them, you want them to have a healthy relationship with money. So let's make this interactive. Let's make this a fun, I mean, not necessarily, I was going to say like a game can be like a game, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. But I, I really think putting a positive spin on all of this and not, and teaching them to embrace it instead of avoid it is the biggest, most important thing you can do. I agree. I agree. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on. I hope that you'll join us again. And I'm so excited about you being part of our membership club team. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to meet everybody in the group and just be a part of it all. So how can we get in touch with you before we go? Yeah. So, um, you can find me, you can follow me on social media. So, um, the podcast is called money isn't scary. You can find that anywhere you find your podcast. Um, and I'm on Instagram at money isn't scary and Facebook as well. Okay, great. Great. Well, thank you so much, Megan. Thank you, Heather. If you would like in on more conversations with Megan, you can meet up with her in our club BFF membership group. And she is going to join us on a monthly basis. I'm sure probably more than that. This is going to be such a fun, fun group, but you will have access to Megan in that community. It will be a Zoom type call where you'll we'll have Q&As and you'll have a lot of time to gather information and advice. So we hope to see you in the club coming soon. You can, you can find a link in our show notes. Thanks again for joining me. I hope you have a fabulous rest of the week. Thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode or have benefited in any way, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It would mean the world to me. Also take a moment and be sure and subscribe because we have a lot of exciting events coming up and you are not going to want to miss out on anything Come say hello on social media. Stop by Instagram. It's at Life Coach BFF, Facebook at Life Coach BFF. And also, we have started a small private group full of lovely women like you. It's called We Are Your BFFs. Come join. We'd love to have you. Can't wait to see you again next time. This is your BFF Heather from Life Coach BFF Show.